1: Hello friends, welcome to an episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm. I know I've not done many of these lately because I have been lazy and the Mavericks have sucked and it's not really fun doing this job sometimes, but I talk basketball with my friends all the time and today I am joined by another super fan of the Los Angeles Lakers, Daman Rangula. How are you, my friend?
2: Good, good, good. How's it going, man?
1: We are, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to this Christmas Day game and I bothered you about a week ago to join and we were just chit chatting before the show, and I was like, "Why are we giving this shit away? This is like good content." <laughs> I so, I, I'm sure some of my some of my listeners are like, "Well, who the hell is this guy?" Because you don't write, though. You probably could easily. You just have a real job, and you don't want to waste your time like me. Um, <laughs> you know, you are a a you know your your pod. Let's see here. Your your um Twitter platform says basketball enthusiast, tech enthusiast, and podcast addict and you know you you are a a southern california guy los angeles like not even like laker super fan you are you are into los angeles sports you went to you went to ucla i think and so you're just like very yeah. of the like socal culture and so you just started talking and i cut you off because i wanted to record like talk to me a little bit about how you got into to like your lakers fandom
2: yeah um i um i basically uh so i was around like eight years old or nine years old when Shaq got to la and it was mm. such a phenomenon um it was i was learning about sports at the time like my family wasn't into sports it was like you know i'm a first generation immigrant kid and and so my parents didn't know anything about american sports but i started talking to my friends at school and stuff like that and you know listen i'm a Sikh dude living in like orange county california at the time like there was not a lot of things that I had in common with my, with my peers essentially. And basketball became a really important bridge socially for me to be able to like talk to and relate to these guys who I had no other common kind of thing with them. And so the Lakers from a very early age have been very ingrained into kind of who I am. I love sports. I love all sports. As you mentioned, I'm wearing, I'm wearing a Rams hoodie right now. Uh, All my, all my teams are in hell, but, it's, 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 it's been a very important part of, of you know, kind of my upbringing. And well, that so, 96 yeah, year, fun.
1: that that's yeah. a, that's a good, that's a good, like kind of jumping off point for me too, because 96, I lived in Kansas city, Missouri at that point, which did not have an NBA team. And I was 12 and I remember like that trade made news Well, that signing in, in California made like national news. So yeah. it, it it's that's a pretty good on-ramp for an eight-year-old boy because not only like not only were were you there when it started, like those first few years were not easy, but no. Shaq was such like he was an icon. So it's like that's And then you know,
2: if I was older, I would maybe feel these struggles of you know, they're trying to break through and they're the kind of rising tension. Oh, you know, is this team ever gonna go over the top? Um, Phil Jackson comes in. Like I don't really understand that stuff. I just know okay the Lakers are on. Uh it's the game today will end before my bedtime so I get to watch the mm. whole thing. I'm excited, right? And it's just like that's, that's all that mattered. And point. it is. And then and like Shaq was just it, it was without you don't have to understand the intricacies of basketball to understand how like Shaq just kills people, right? And, uh-huh. and so that it, it was just a very easy way to to, to kind of get onto it. And you're just not aware of any of the drama and tension and off court stuff you're just watching your team, and so yeah it was, it is a fun fun way to get started no no doubt
1: so and we and we were also talking in pre show about how the two of us have been online long enough now to become old, yeah, um, not <laughs> yeah. like ancient ancient, but no longer twenty somethings wasting our time at work, being on Twitter instead of doing work type thing, right. You know, shit talking with everybody and and now we're kind of in a more mature, bordering on cynical phase of our respective fandoms.
2: Well, I think I think our childish shit talking went from Twitter to the group chats. Mm. So that that's I mean, that's I, I don't know if we call that maturity. It's just like a transfer of shit talking. So I don't know. Mm.
1: Well, I still I'm still a lunatic on Twitter, but it's it's much <laughs> it's it's much more fun now. So yeah. we're recording <sighs> see your Friday afternoon, I'm going to get this podcast up as soon as possible. The Mavericks have a game tonight. The Lakers have a game tonight or game tonight against uh, the Charlotte uh, Hornets at home, which yeah. the Hornets are also a mess, so it should be. We, we should have, a, uh, and the Mavericks are playing Houston, so we should have a pair of teams coming off wins to the Sunday Christmas game. And while I do want to talk about that game in in specific, I I also want to kind of pull back first to to talk about you know the, the season at large. I had some questions written down today, and one of them is already moot because I, I we have learned uh, that Anthony Davis is effectively out until he's not. Uh, he has a stress injury in his foot, big men and feet. That is a Terrific. very uncomfortable situation, and this has with with Anthony Davis. This has gone from funny to joke about to now possibly sad and so i i i like it i had three questions that were like ad related uh about like this season that are now pointless um because i i was wondering if if we i'll just tell you what it is because the answer is no like do we think the the lakers would move any would would move westbrook and westbrook in a pick for any of like the maverick shooting type players that they would need and i think Now the answer is no, because they they need size more than they they need.
2: (laughs) Well, I think, think, so on the Anthony Davis front, I mean, like, I think you use the word sad. I think sad is kind of the perfect kind of tone for me right now as a Laker fan. It's not even, this is the strangest season that I've actually followed the team because, listen, there's been really good teams for the Lakers. There's been really bad teams. This team is the most confusing because i don't know if they're good if they're bad they went into milwaukee this year and chris middleton was back then and they won in milwaukee that was a great game square just it was a great game but that this is the team that's also capable of losing to anybody like you said that we should expect to beat charlotte i'm watching that game like i'm ready for anything and and so there's that angle of it. Now, the Anthony Davis situation specifically. I've been very critical of Anthony Davis the last couple of years, not because of his health because like, you know, it is what it is on that front, but because I questioned if the whole plan, the whole way this was designed was going to be that LeBron was going to come in and be the playoff guy and Anthony Davis was going to carry the team in the regular season and let LeBron ramp up. That hasn't happened. That hadn't happened the last two years. And it was very disappointing. Like we can talk all we want about the Russell Westbrook trade. And obviously it was a mistake. But the lack of Anthony Davis also stepping up to the the the, the heights that, you know, we as basketball fans see that he can do. Um, he hadn't been doing that. That all changed this season. And despite whatever the record is, despite any of that, Anthony Davis looking like he did kind of, made this season worth investing in. Now at this juncture for Anthony Davis to go down is probably the injury that's hurting the most because mm-hmm. he was reaching that level at which the trajectory of the team was going to change. And now we'll see, I mean, like you said, this is a this is going to be a frustrating injury because it really feels like it's going to be every couple of weeks they're going to just keep monitoring it and they're going to keep Going in the direction based on how his kind of how his healing goes, but yeah, you know, you never you never can guarantee. Even if he's back in a month, is he going to be in the same rhythm he was? Is he going to have uh-huh. the same confidence that he was playing with? And if that's not there, man, I, I I'm I'm concerned about the front office about where their mindset is right now. What I will say, and my overarching frustration with the Lakers uh, is they have been chasing this quote-unquote three-star build for some time now that Mm -hmm. goes back to when LeBron first joined the team you know they were expecting to bring Paul George on board and then they were going to trade for Anthony Davis and then when Anthony Davis comes they were hoping to add Kawhi that summer right we mean people forget now but the it it was it seemed like it was right at the one yard line now we know it wasn't actually that close but the front office approach was hey three stars then, of course, they trade for Russell Westbrook because they're chasing the third star. And so my concern is what's gonna happen now. And my skin crawls every time the name Zach Levine comes up, because Zach Levine is the exact kind of player that the Lakers could look at and say, This guy, box office, UCLA mm-hmm. alum, star, right? Or whatever star, star means, like? right? Mm-hmm. And and so it's like I my concern is is that they are going to eschew like other potential options. Like you mentioned the Maverick shooters. I mean, I'm looking at somebody like Bogdanovich in Detroit and I'm just like, these are the kind of players that could, could really a, if you package some of the guards, there's way too many guards on the Lakers roster. Right. And weirdly. Like I don't really like very many of, I don't really don't like any guards, but uh, any of the guards, but we have too many and also like not enough at the same time. So you could put it together, a package of like a couple of players, put some salary together and one of the first and try to get an impact sort of rotation starter kind of player. And that to me is a prudent decision, but uh, the Lakers are insistent and and they're insistent on, okay, we're going to have either cap space or we're going to go for, you know, big name hunting. And I think like one of the reasons why they haven't moved Russell Westbrook yet is because they've been trying to get some sort of way of trading Russ and keeping cap space they don't want to have players on long-term deals which is just in this day and age building a team around cap space feels very very antiquated i mean and so it all of those
1: yeah it just it, there's a real you know lakers aside as a concept because the lakers you know just location-based people want to live in southern california etc have a better shot at it than most but the real problem with cap space is if you can't do something with it you end up in terms of what you want like players you end up having to use it often doing things with it that can make your team worse while yes. being more expensive
2: yes and also Kirk like people players now players used to when they're like they were ambivalent about their situation or they wanted to kind of move into a different situation um they would just opt out of they they would just opt out of their deals and sign one year deals and approach free agency if they're uncertain about their situation but now players just sign long term because they know when they're ready to move on they'll just tell the front office hey trade me and the front office will find a trade of like you know multiple picks or whatever it happens to be and and salaries and stuff like that so building on cap space is a terrible idea in this day and age i mean you have like you know a player like zach levine who just signed an extension is signaling very clearly that you know hey maybe the situation in chicago is not going to work out So yeah, I mean, it's just I, I, I'm not a fan of this approach. And so I think that the whole front office has been in a paralysis because this is the reason why.
1: Sorry, and I, you guys don't see this in the podcast, but Domin keeps seeing me like wave in and out of the screen because my wife let the puppy upstairs and she is just <laughs> menacing. Whatever. She, she can't destroy anything. Hey, For minutes. the kids
2: at home, I was a pro. I kept going.
1: Yes, you did. It's remarkable. <laughs> um so this is kind of an, an interesting transition because, like I said, I do want to circle back to the game briefly, but I just kind of wanted to talk to you about some of the stuff for a walk. We, again, we talk about this in group chats, et cetera. Um, how many championships do you think the Lakers would have won when LeBron signed in 2018? Like, what do you remember thinking?
2: Honestly, and I probably have tweets uh, about this, uh, I just I totally understand how hard it is to win titles. I know sure. the situation LeBron was coming into – um. Even when LeBron came, I was, I, I was, uh, thrilled, of course, but I was also confused because I was very, um, down on the Lakers management, mm. and so my number, my over under, was zero point five, and so he crossed that in the second year. Yeah, it was. It, it, it just—it's hard to win, man. It's just hard to win in the NBA. Uh,
1: yeah. Yes, it is. Um, that is. Un- uh, so so while LeBron's there, it's,
2: I, I, I'll say I'll say it's it's. You the over under was zero point five, but then you can also look at have they maximized the percentages year over year of actually competing, and that obviously is is, is a big time no, they have not.
1: <laughs> well, in the Western Conference is a bear, which yeah. leads me to you know the next question. So, over between twenty eighteen and twenty twenty, the Lakers traded away a significant portion of their younger core that had been accumulated through drafts during the drier years starting in like 2014 2013 different of a variety of guys. Um was the championship worth it in hindsight?
2: Uh yeah the the answer is yes. Um I think that it, it's it's we can look at hey what if they kept Ingram what if they kept this what if they kept that but the truth is is I think that the Putting together two players like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it is really hard to screw that up as much as the Lakers have screwed that up over the last couple of years because you dream of finding superstars that actually fit well together. On-court, off-court, personality, playing styles, versatility, size. Those two actually have it all. The last couple of years have been such a thorough dismantling of any competence around those two that it it kind of looks like there could be regrets now i don't have any regrets at all i think that, that 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 stuff worked out perfectly what i do have regrets about is how the front office stumbled into a juggernaut kind of a beautiful team in 2020 and thoroughly dismantled not only the roster but the philosophy behind that roster uh. and and they've they've kind of been they've been wandering in the woods since and there's they still haven't like we're still I mean I mean the Lakers this year have LeBron James for his age performing better than anybody at this age in NBA history. You had AD put together a stretch of MVP level play and we're still 13 and 18. Like this is embarrassing. And and so like it's this is not about the A D trade. This is not about mortgaging it all for the title. This is about maximizing your opportunities this is about making the smart moves at the margins and the front office has just totally squandered that and it's weird too because the front office the scouting department keeps giving them players like austin reeves you know who's last year right hit the game winner in dallas um and max christie another guy and so it's just like you truly know.
1: remarkable drafting like you're you're yeah, only giving recent examples like yeah. the lakers draft record for 10 years has been as
2: good as any team, like so truly Kirk, remarkable guy. So, so Kirk, this is what drives me crazy. They have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They find gems in the second round and undrafted year after year after year. Like literally every year they get somebody mm-hmm. or something like it. And we yet we are still in the this situation.
1: Until he's not.
2: Right. I mean, how do people talk about Alex Crusoe until Alex Crusoe became Alex Crusoe? You're your 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 guy, Alex Crusoe. Oh,
1: God, I love him. He needs to shoot more. He just, <laughs> yeah, he does. At, it's like, what are we doing, Alex? Do uh, something. He does, yeah. um, so you already answered my next question, which was kind of like describing the worst part of the Anthony Davis experience, because I I had a B minus version of this in, in Porzingis, because Porzingis is, you know, 65% of the player that Anthony Davis was with worse movement skills and much more passive aggression, but <laughs> it, it's, you know, it, it probably slightly better media training too, but that's okay. Um, You did touch on this earlier, but how does it feel to, to, to be a fan of a team with the Lakers being essentially one of the biggest brands in sports, but also being run by like uh, an awkward small family business.
2: Yeah. So it's, I mean, yeah, you can probably tell I'm, I'm, I'm pretty frustrated, but I'll say this, look, you have to, as an organization, and you can you can apply this analysis to any outside of sports, within sports, everywhere. You have to double and triple down on your advantages. So the Lakers, being a family-run organization, actually have some advantages that they can show other people, and they can say, "Hey, LeBron, um, we treat everybody like family because we are family. Like this is who we are." Um, and There's an opportunity, and I think one of the reasons LeBron James did come here is, you know, dealing with ownership situations. And with Cleveland, there was always tension. In Miami, it wasn't that there was tension, but it's like, it wasn't, it, it was like, hey, LeBron, you do your role, we do our job. Where in LA, they kind of presented a situation of, hey, look how we treated Kobe. Like, he was our franchise legend. We always did right by him. We signed that crazy extension that everybody mocked us for, but we stand by it because this is our family. And so you create that inviting atmosphere for superstars. And as you mentioned, the Lakers have location advantages. So that's actually that as a just as a baseline, totally understandable. Now, there is the reality of the bus family. Dr. Bus, when he came into the NBA, he was the rich owner. He was the guy throwing money around to make things work. He was the guy trying new stuff. He was the guy, you know, pushing the league forward. Over the course of time, the Lakers are no longer the rich team. They're they may be the most valuable team according to the Forbes rankings, but from an ownership standpoint, they clearly are very, very far behind. Because this is a fa- This is as you said. This is their family business. They need this money. This is their actual living, and so they have limit a limited budget given their stature. I mean, you compare them to crosstown Clippers. Like it's not even close. No, I but mean, so.
1: The Clippers might the Clippers boast one of probably four owners in sports that their the the money they make is so far above and beyond their peers that it it's it's hard to make contextual sense. I, I,
2: Brian Windhurst loves to point this out that Steve Ballmer's just the um uh, the dividends that he gets from Microsoft from him, Microsoft stock is like enough to pay for the Clippers. Like, so it, it's, it's, I mean, he, could it's buy Spur,
1: he could buy the Spurs like 10 times a year
2: on his he dividends. Could, yeah. He could buy the whole NBA. He could buy like yeah, every team in the NBA. And so that's, it's, 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 it's okay. For, if the Lakers are in that situation where, okay, we're family run. We, uh you know, we're not rich. So then what you have to do is you have to say, these are our strengths. So, how do we make up for it? We need to run a world class organization. We need to have the best. So, they obviously, their drafting is working great. So, we got to invest in the best management. We got to, we got to, we got to play like a money ball kind of approach after the superstars and really make the best decisions at the margins. So, really, what I'm saying is they should be, they should have like, an OKC or San Antonio type model of running an organization and they're nowhere near that in terms of how they are run and so that is my frustration i'm like listen i totally understand if we ran if we did a, a an analysis of the strengths and weaknesses of the organization it's very clear and you know what you can make this work but then you have to actually understand that and be like okay so we can't we can't spend you know an extra $100 million in the luxury tax repeater tax, so we can't keep just adding salary like the Clippers. Okay, but then let's be smart about this. Kirk, in the last, so LeBron James got here. The first year, it was like Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, all those guys. Then they overhaul the roster to bring Anthony Davidson, right? Then they win the title. Then they overhaul the roster again that summer, right? They bring in Dennis Schroeder and Under Drummond and all this stuff. Then they overhaul the roster again to bring in Russell Westbrook, and then last offseason they overhaul the roster once again, and we're again in a situation where there's players on one-year deals, and next year, even if this year is a success, and I'm not even bringing up the fact that there might be a big trade this season with Russell Westbrook and the picks, and that that will be another overhaul. If this season works, they have so many players on one-year deals that they can't really retain. No matter what, there's going to be another overhaul this summer. So it's like there's no continuity. So you're, you're, this is where you have organizational, your strength, your continuity, everything can build upon itself and you can make it work. And they are so far away from that. It's, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's driving me a little crazy.
1: Well, speaking of driving you crazy, let's pivot to this Christmas Day game, which is a road. Like it's so rude to put, 20, like LeBron James, his kids aren't young anymore, but the 20 year veteran essentially on the road on Christmas feel that felt very passing of the torch when I saw the announcement. Um, and now the game's just kind of in a completely different spot. You know, they're, they're doing this dark um, statue unveiling before the game. And that'll be probably on ABC. I, su- I suspect um, yeah.
2: what are we, what are you sort of thinking about this game? Well, I, I, I'm I pretty, so I'm pretty pessimistic about the Lakers overall, but I will say one thing is that somebody like LeBron and this team, they certainly rise to the occasion on big games. No matter what the matchup is on Christmas, it's a big game by default, and the Lakers this season have performed well in big games. Mm. I mentioned that Milwaukee game, uh, they both almost beat boston like that was a very competitive game uh where they lost in overtime so i think that despite my pessimism like i could actually like they could perform worse against the hornets tonight rather than on christmas because i think that the players on this team on an average night are generally not good enough to beat a team like the mavericks even though the mavericks are no world beaters this season um i still from a talent level with no ad and and you know it just uh, the Mavericks are rightly favored. I think the betting line right now is at seven and a half. Yep. Uh, we'll so I I think that's totally reasonable. But LeBron James on that stage will be ready to go. Um, and I think that this this specific season the players have risen to that occasion. Now, as a fan, I would like them to do that every night, but we know sure. that's not realistic, right? So it, it's it's just. They have a baseline that's not very good, but they can get to a level if they're playing efficiently. And LeBron James, you know, you, you, you have Luca, you, so you know what this is. Like a superstar at that level can rise to a certain occasion where your team will have a chance against anybody on any given night. And so that's what's so fun about this matchup is without Anthony Davis, it really is going to be like a, LeBron is going to show what he can do, and Luka is going to show what he can do, and it's going to be a fun kind of mano a mano matchup that we normally kind of don't get in the NBA. And so I- I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good game. Um, uh, perhaps even better than it looks on paper. I think this going to be a fun, competitive game. Um, and yeah, a uh, free betting advice. I think I would take the Lakers plus seven and a half. I think they could lose, but I think it'll be a close game.
1: I think that's probably right. And the Mavericks are. You know, at the moment, depending on when you choose to listen to this, guys, you'll you'll either know this or you won't. Like, the Mavericks don't have a playable wing at the moment. Dorian Finney-Smith is going to miss the game. He would spend time on LeBron. Um, Reggie Bullock's corpse will probably spend some time on LeBron. Josh Green is out. Um, And and so we might actually see Luka and LeBron not only playing against each other, but guarding each other. And outside of kind of two-way Tatum – you don't get a lot of superstars guarding one another in this day and age anymore. It's been, it's been probably since the early two thousands when guys kind of like started going away from that sort of thing. And I, for one, truly love this matchup because it brings out like Luca loves LeBron. There was a story people will remember from the first time they played Luca's rookie year. Luca went and waited outside the Lakers locker room because he wanted LeBron to sign his Jersey. And, the way it was framed, you could tell LeBron was fucking annoyed by the entire thing because he's like, <laughs> but, you know, that was Luca was a good rookie, but his by his second year, he exploded, obviously, to being all NBA. And like by that point was when
2: there was also that moved. weird kind of backlash of like, oh, people are pointing anointing Luca to early. There was that sure. kind of there was sure. that undertone. And
1: LeBron is very, you know, he's been around long enough to be very cognizant and fairly annoyed at all that shit. So I, that story has stuck with me. But since LeBron has made the most wonderfully consistently tampering uh, <laughs> uh, comments, he, like, he just like, he talks about how much he loves Lucas. It's it's really, really wonderful. Um, I, I love that sort of like, just, I, I like when players talk about other players and like glowing lights, because when they're not, you know, I want like these guys to fight each other. Like John, you, you and I talked about John Morant's like shit talking the other day. Like I love that, but I also yeah. love the like, the, the the showing of respect too, which is a lot of fun. So I no, I, I, this-
2: I I think uh, you know very few players will understand Luca carrying this specific team the way he carries himself, other than LeBron James. And sure. so I think I, I think that there's a very cool kind of symmetry between the way they play, the way they control the game. I think is something that LeBron like. LeBron plays the game like it's like a chess match, right? Uh-huh. And I see that with Luca where it's just like. It, it, it looks like you know we joke like our, our our mutual friend andrew sharp and i i love egging you on about this stuff but it's like it looks like Luca's just holding the ball and this and that but you can see him kind of mapping out the play and understanding how it's right. going to develop and where that ball is going to go and and so i i think leBron definitely sees elements of that and and yep. so yeah it's 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 been a really cool thing to see how leBron talks about luca no doubt
1: so so that that'll be nice. And beyond that, beyond the two of them with the matchup, like there's some truly abhorrent role players playing in this game. Like, <laughs> it's so Kendrick <laughs> Ken, Kendrick Nunn posted the rare, like like zero stat 26 minute line, which Reggie Bullock <laughs> has done for the Mavericks more than a few times. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of a, you know, a podcaster I know you and I both still listen to Bill Simmons, everybody keeps talking about how oh the league's expanding. There's the talent for the league to expand. And I'm just gonna tell you, this Christmas Day slate will <laughs> argue against that fucking point. There's not. There are like like there's just not. Now I I I, I may I'm sure people will quibble about this, but it's just it's like when you when you watch like there's such a chasm in the NBA with the top 15 to 20 players, then that next tier of guys it's cat like it's catastrophically uh, uh, wide in a way that other sports. I don't necessarily think are the case outside of like NFL quarterbacks. And it's just, when you watch like a guy like LeBron play and a guy like Luca play, they are simply not only are they athletic and physically gifted in a way that a lot of the other teams are, they think the game in a way that other players really can't. It's not that they don't, they can't. This is a savant style argument. Like Jokic probably, it's part of why I think Jason Kidd is a horrible coach because he can't explain how fucking good he was at basketball. He was yeah. just good at basketball. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I, I don't know. You've heard this argument. I do this to Anthony Irwin all the time where I blame the Lakers specifically for Jason Kidd being the Mavericks head coach.
2: <laughs> uh, you're welcome.
1: No. well i've kept you for longer than i intended do we have any other spicy takes that you would like to to get off your chest regarding my team or your team at the moment
2: um i've had some that, good ones so I, I i i think that um my spicy take is uh now you put me on the spot i'm i i gotta rise to the occasion though so i'm 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 gonna think about this for a second
1: i mean you can be anything cuban jabs dirk jabs anything let's
2: um mark cuban is closer to being james dolan than the mark cuban of the past
1: Mm, mm. big yes for me (laughs) big firm yes so all right guys this has been Damon Rangula and Kirk Henderson. I will post his Twitter feed in the link. You should follow him. He is an outstanding sports fan. Follow. Um, likes a lot of stuff, and you know, you could if if you know you, you want to give him a follow, you should do that. I'm going to try, guys, to do more of these with my friends because I know people from all around the league and like talk, and I talk about sports all the time. It's just it's hard to get these things up, and I can never tell. Um, well, that's the tough part about basketball. Domin, is. Things just go like I miss a hoops hoops collective podcast, and it's like, well, it's three days later. This shit doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, no, no, it's you're you're so right. I I I my podcast queue gets so stressful because I am keep on like have to sort. I'm like, no, I should listen to this now. I should do this. I should do that. And I just ended up deleting a lot of them. So yeah, yeah you're right. That's Listen that's to this me.
1: now kids. Podcast anxiety is a weird thing. I never would have thought I'd experienced, but it, like during pandemic, I was like, Oh,
2: I'm so behind. And now
1: I just like Mark. Everything is played. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening today. There's going to be a number of shows in your feed during this holiday weekend, because while I should be spending time with my family, I also like talking basketball, so uh, look out for that. Check out MavsMoneyBall.com. And if it is your if you're feeling uh, very generous this holiday season, please give us a rating and review if you like. That stuff very much helps in terms of searchability and so other people who aren't you can find this podcast. Domin, go Mavs, but uh, uh, thanks for spending time with us and uh, I'll try to have you back maybe, uh, maybe next year. We'll see.
2: Sounds fun. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.